Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is a special presentation of Intercepted. Evening at the Talk House, a radio play in three acts, written by Wallace Shawn. Part 1. Well, this story is all really more or less about Robert. You see, back in the old days when I knew him, Robert was a playwright. His plays weren't always successful, but people had high hopes for him. There was something, I don't know, distinguished about him, some sort of attractiveness. Robert was shy, gentle, charming, and handsome. I was just a lowly waitress at a small club called The Talk House, a friendly place where people from the theater would often gather at night after their shows. But Robert was always ready to talk to me about theater, plays, and acting. I wanted to be an actress. Robert's plays always took place in a sort of imaginary medieval world with noble knights and fair ladies and all that sort of thing. And eventually he wrote a play with a rather odd title, Midnight in a Clearing with Moon and Stars. Black enormous pits outside. The golden antelopes had been placed on burning wood. He was sure it was the best play he'd written, but it didn't do well at all. And that was the last play that Robert wrote. But the funny thing was that one night during the run of that play, there was a certain gentleman in the audience who really enjoyed it and admired it. An amusing fellow who probably didn't even himself dream that night that he would very soon rise to the incredible heights that destiny had in store for him. Well, yes, indeed, I'm referring to a certain Mr. Ackerley, who at that time was occupying a rather uninteresting post in the administration of Walter Barclay. Because, of course, this was the very quiet era of Walter Barclay. That kindly and lovely old statesman whom everyone respected and no one feared. But then Walter Barclay died and everyone mourned and Ackerley rose up and a lot of things changed. Well, everything changed. Some people rose up and some people came crashing down. One of the ones who didn't do too well was Ted. He was such a talented musician. 
And one night, Ted called Robert on the telephone. And at first, I'll bet that Robert would barely have recognized Ted's voice because I'd be surprised if he'd given Ted much of a thought in recent years. It had probably been five or six years since I'd even heard from Ted. Of course, I had never really... Well, I was going to say I'd never really known Ted that well. But then again, who have I known well, when you get right down to it, come to think of it? So I guess I won't say that. To know someone well. I mean, that's a phrase from another time. That's an idiotic phrase. Who have I known well? I haven't known anyone well. But at any rate, Ted, you see, had composed some incidental music for a play I'd written a dozen years ago or so called Midnight in a Clearing with Moon and Stars. Quite surprisingly, the extraordinary Mr. Ackerley never forgot that particular play. And just a few months later, lo and behold, Robert was offered a very nice and lucrative job as a television writer. At that time, you see, when the theater played a somewhat larger part in the life of our city than it does now, Ted had been rather successful. He drove a rather nice car. He wore some pretty good-looking jackets and shirts. He was doing all right. But as far as I'd heard, his fortunes had declined, so it was in a way rather touching that he wanted to gather together some of the old gang from midnight, as we call it, to commemorate the 10th anniversary of its opening night, a date I myself would never otherwise have noticed. Things went well for Robert in his television work. His show was a success. Soon it was an enormous success. He'd moved far away from the world of midnight in a clearing. Of course, there are quite a few people who look back lovingly and longingly on the era of Walter Barclay, in which the play was written. But you can put me down as a bit of a skeptic on that. I mean, was that really such a happy time? I'm not so sure. Certainly, we can all agree that Walter Barclay was a very nice fellow, and Mr. Ackerley, as we know, has a cruel side. Mind you, I keep my views of Ackerley to myself as most people obviously do if they have any brains. In any case, the alternation between Mr. Ackerley and our sneaky friend, Mr. Rodman, seems to work rather well, I feel. And I'm certainly not going to complain because statistics say that the theater-going impulse has declined substantially since Walter Barclay took his last breath, or had it taken from him, if you believe those theories. The decline in the theater-going impulse could, in a way, be seen as a small price to pay for the rather substantial benefits derived from entering into an era that quite a few people would describe as much more tranquil and much more agreeable than the one that preceded it. And the horrible truth, if I dare say this, is that although I had some fairly nice times, some pretty good moments putting on my plays, well, if pressed to the wall, I'd have to say that the theater for me 
eventually came to seem like a rather narrow corner, a rather distasteful little corner of the world in which to spend my life. And I came to feel that it was a corner of the world that I honestly wouldn't mind leaving, and whose general decline I was not in my heart of hearts terribly saddened about. I'd heard that Robert often spoke of his earlier life with a sort of attitude of contempt, and I found that odd, because in his younger days when I'd known him, he'd seemed to be so fond of theater. When I was young, I myself was still in love with the experience of sitting in a darkened theater and staring at the stage. That was why I devoted all those years to putting on plays. I loved to look at them. I loved to stare at the actors and even the scenery that they were placed in. In other words, well, I was unfailingly excited. One could even say awestruck by the sight of an enormous stage filled and overfilled with enormous shaggy trees rising as high as one could see and even higher than one could see and lit by beautiful, suffusing, milky moonlight. And then into that milky moonlight people would stride with with glinting and flashing swords and maces. Tall, gorgeous people in flowing robes of blue and red, you know. And I loved the scantily clad nymphs and the magnificent beards and the virile young men. I loved all that. And sure, part of the pleasure I took from watching those figures was that their very manner, their bearing, so often reflected certain extremely noble, but at the same time perennially threatened ideals that I greatly admired then, and still do. Self-sacrifice, first of all, I suppose. Courage or heroism on a field of battle, if that was the venue. Loyalty. The instantaneous, repeated decision to choose suffering in preference to dishonor. The power and magnificence of the body when inspired into action. Then, in a way, one could laugh, but I still like to think that what we do each week on Tony and Company, admittedly in an entirely different style, presents some of the same ideals in a more contemporary package in each little 30-minute segment. Tony, particularly as Tom plays him, of course, is understandable, he's human, he has his failings and his weaknesses, but he is fundamentally a good person who is guided by the same principles that inspired some of the characters in my plays. He's a person who is prepared to fight when necessary to defend his friends. Well, that's how I would see it. But at any rate, when I asked Ted where he thought we should hold our great anniversary celebration, he replied, Why, the talk house, of course. The talk house. My God, the talk house. That almost legendary, wonderfully quiet and genteel club, known far and wide at one time for its delicious and generously sized snacks. Some of them pleasantly sautéed, some delightfully freezing cold, all rather charming and unexpected. During the run of midnight, many of us had gone there after the show almost every night to have a few drinks and enjoy a large or small dinner made up out of some alluring combination of attractive snacks. 
As fate would have it, I myself was rather often to be seen at the talk house around that time. And indeed, I happened to be there on the very night that the 10th anniversary of Robert's opening was going to be celebrated. I was having a few drinks there during the late afternoon, and eventually I fell asleep in a large armchair. And so, on the very night of the 10th anniversary of Midnight's ill-fated opening, I found myself, rather to my amazement, trudging down the rather shabby street where the talk house stood and climbing up the well-worn steps to the club. Well, as the author of the immortal dramatic work that we were all gathering to celebrate, I considered it my prerogative to arrive a fashionable 12 minutes late. And maybe there was a bit of ambivalence about attending this event in the first place that also contributed something to my lateness. Who knows? In any event, it turned out that everyone else had already arrived and gone into the library by the time I walked into the club's main meeting room. So I made myself a drink at the bar and stood there by myself for a little while, contemplating the evening to come. Presiding over the proceedings would, of course, be Nellie, the incredibly kind matron who ran the place. A very intelligent, very sensible, rather innocent woman who always made me feel when I would walk in the door and see her standing there that I was a young student just starting out at a rather good school where I could feel quite confident I was going to be well taken care of. Everyone loved Nellie, and and she was really the reason people had started going to the talk house in the first place. Nellie, of course, would be assisted by Jane. Can I take your coat? Who ten years earlier had been a very young, aspiring actress. As I happen to know, Jane had left the talk house not too long after the days of midnight. But unfortunately, she hadn't had great luck as a performer, and I wasn't terribly surprised to learn from Ted that she had eventually returned to her old job with Nellie. Jane, I don't know where I put the napkins. Oh, I just saw them in the napkin drawer. Did I know? But I As for the guests, well, well, apart from Ted and myself, there would be Annette, Bill, and Tom. All of us, of course, were leading quite different lives from the lives we'd lived ten years ago. These days, Ted made his living writing advertising music whenever... To use his words, something came up for which a more old-fashioned composer seemed appropriate. Ted, hi. Nellie, Jane, hi. Wonderful to see you. Oh, I'm so glad this worked out. Thank you so much for agreeing to do it. Nellie, look at your hair. It looks great. Annette had been our wardrobe supervisor on Midnight. That was her official title. But to many of us, she had been a, a special friend and a confidant as well because in stressful circumstances, one could always count on Annette to stay pleasant and calm. A soothing presence, she now did private tailoring and repairs for various wealthy clients. A rather unstable mode of existence, as Ted explained it to me. Annette, here she is! Nellie, oh, Janie, Jane, hello, guys. Hey, Ted. Annette, you look, look at you. Gorgeous. You're 
sparkles. This is so, so wonderful. Goody. I haven't been to a party in such a long time. This is such a thrill. Bill, our resourceful producer on Midnight, was actually doing quite nicely these days. He had become a talent agent and was now quite well known and highly regarded in his new profession. Hey, everybody. Hi, Bill. <laughs> hey, Bill. Hey, look Billy at you. Boy. You look fantastic. Oh, it's so great to see you, Bill. You too. And then, of course, there was Tom, the gorgeous and resplendent Tom, the star ten years ago of the not-terribly-successful theatrical masterpiece Midnight in a Clearing with Moon and Stars, and currently the star of the unbelievably successful television masterpiece Tony and Company. And of course, the magnificent Tony and Company is the very show on which I have had the honor of laboring for the last many years in the very exalted position of head writer, story editor, chief word wrangler, or whatever you would call me. At any rate, after standing for a while by the bar, in my usual rather confused state of suspended animation, looking out on a sort of glade of somewhat frayed armchairs that clustered in the center of the room, I began to realize that I was not alone, that sunk deep into the most distant of the armchairs was the motionless figure of a human being. And as I stared at that figure, I slowly began to understand that it was someone that I had actually known. Dick. I I was taken aback, shocked. First of all, Dick was one of the last people on earth I had ever expected to see in my life again. Quite a famous actor some decades before, his face, wearing the trademark mustache of his character, Chico, had adorned the front of coffee cans for all the many years that Carlos and Jenny had been the nation's most beloved show. He had fallen on hard times after the show ended and and had become, by the time we all knew him, a sort of rather pitiful theatrical hanger-on. Eventually, he'd sort of slipped out of town without anyone noticing. Then I'd always assumed that he'd gone to some quiet, small city, gotten sick, and died. And second of all, my God, his appearance had horribly changed. He was much heavier, almost fat, and he was dressed in some ancient pajamas and a sport coat. This once rather elegant man who had actually been sort of a famous dandy in his day. And then the other thing was that Dick's cheeks and nose seemed definitely bruised, and his mouth too seemed to have been hurt somehow and was crusted, perhaps with a bit of dried blood. In fact, one could hardly credit the fact that a person who looked the way he did was sitting in the well-known parlor of this rather refined club. In other words, this was not quite the talk house as I recalled it from days gone by. As I stood there, flabbergasted, trying to get my bearings, I also began to surmise that to top it all off, Dick might be drunk. In fact, he looked as if he'd been drunk for days. Or if he wasn't drunk, that he somehow seemed to be neurologically impaired or damaged in some way. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. He took a step toward me slowly and looked me in the eye. Robert, he said, and stared unwaveringly. Nice a dick. Then he pretended to hit me, and then he stumbled backward. Oh, oh. Oh, you, you almost got me there. <laughs> Careful there. I held him by the forearm to stabilize him and said, Good to see you, Dick. Well, well, just great to see you. I mean, really, Dick. Well, this is amazing. How are you? Well, I'm absolutely fine. Very, very well. What? My face? Oh, no, 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 don't worry about that. I was beaten rather recently uh, by some friends. But, uh, oh, I actually enjoyed it very much in the end, really. It was great. No, I loved it. In fact, you should try it sometime, Robert. It's not what you think. It, it was quite fun. I'm serious. My God, what happened? Well, it was a short battering, you know, informal a small group of my friends we met, you know, and they just said, Dick, you see, you're getting a bit close to being... And so we, we have to beat you up a bit. <laughs> a few blows in the face and, and, and maybe some kicks. <laughs> my God, you... You, what, you mean they... Well, they were right. Obviously, I, I, I was getting to the point where I was about to cross a line. And this was sort of a case of uh, stop, go back a few steps, you know, that sort of thing. Crossing a line, but Dick, Dick, my God, you were always such a quiet, well-behaved little bastard when I knew you, Dick. I still am. But that's what I find myself saying every day. I haven't changed. Everything else has changed. You know what I mean? Why are things different? I want the old days back. Where are they? Where have they gone? I mean, the old days were great, weren't they, Robert? Oh, yes. The old, old days were wonderful days. They were better for me. I mean, personally, you see, they, they were much better for me. Yes, of course. Do you mind if I refill my drink here? 
<clears throat> of course, you know, you remember, I, I loved being an actor. It was nice being an actor. What a fun way to live. I loved it, really. I know, I know. I wasn't that good, but... What? What? You were. Oh, no. Well, of, of course you were. Well, you didn't think so. What? What? I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Come on, Dick. What? What I did? <laughs> well, what do you? What do you mean? My stupid play? But that was. Well, that had nothing to do with me. I. Oh my God! Am I hallucinating? Oh my God! What? Over there in the library, isn't that? Oh yes, yes, that's Bill. Oh my God, Bill! Bill and Ted and Annette. Oh, and Tom, of course, the magnificent Tom. But this. This reminds me of one of those nights when you sleep in an overheated room, you know, and you dream you're surrounded by every horrible person you've ever met in your life. Or, you know, to put it a bit differently, you're surrounded by all your favorite people and you're absolutely thrilled. Hello, everybody. My God. What's the matter? Don't they recognize me? Well, uh, you do look somewhat different, Dick. Hey, so do you. A bit less tidy around the edges, perhaps? <gasps> Say, by the way, how have things gone over all these years with your, uh, you know, the problem you had? The special problem you had? You know, the problem you had about hating people. I remember you used to have a terrible problem about hating people, remember? Well, you couldn't control it at all. Some of us, <laughs> some of us fell victim to that. You couldn't control your hatred towards certain people. I don't remember that. Oh, come on. Well, you must remember hating me, at least. I mean, that was why I didn't get that part in Midnight in a Clearing. Of course, I wasn't very good. I wasn't a good actor. I, I know that now. But that wasn't the reason I didn't get the part. I didn't get the part because you kept telling Bill, I'm sorry, I hate him, I can't help it. I happen to hate him and I don't want him around me. I mean, at least that's apparently what you kept telling Bill. You know, you hated me personally. You refused to let him hire me. You put your foot down. Or anyway, that's what Bill told me you'd said. I assumed it was true. Dick, seriously. I mean, I wasn't a good actor, but the funny thing was that I think I would have been good in that part. Because I uh, felt I was right for it. You see, I had an insight into it. And I felt that Bill was rather on my side about that. He did say that of all the people you were thinking about, I seemed to be the one who was most likely to capture some of the less obvious sides of the character, you see. The special secrets he had. The more interesting parts of the writing, quite frankly. I'm just saying that's what Bill seemed to feel. And, oh, he was probably wrong. But who knows? 
maybe I could have brought something to it that Tom, in a way, couldn't quite pull off or didn't pull off. I don't know. I'm just saying it's possible. It's possible. It's not impossible. I might have brought something to it. I might have cut to the heart of it, you see, in a way that was outside of Tom's range, in a way. Well, who knows? I don't know. You know, Tom was excellent. He was—he did an excellent job. I'm just saying it was a possibility. A lot of time has passed, Dick. Uh, you're talking about... Well, I'm sorry. I thought you brought it up. I thought you were the one who brought up the subject. But, you know, it was... It's possible it was me. Maybe, maybe, maybe somehow I sensed that you were thinking about it. I don't know. So I somehow mentioned it. I mean, you know, it's not as if I'm constantly brooding about it. No. No. Well, good. I mean, you had a wonderful career, Dick. I certainly don't know why. why no, you really, I'm sorry. I mean, it, it, you see, that's, that, 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 that's my problem. I keep talking about things that... That come into my head because my 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 life. My are, are you all right? Yes, I. I the, the beating had some consequences, obviously, in some of the parts of my. You know, when I when I when Dick, I when Dick, I Dick. When, are you all right, Dick? I just, uh, I just look. I realize this must be a terrible time for no, you, no, and I, no, no, and no, I mean, no, no, no. For God's sake, don't try to talk. Just trying to. Can I get you I just, something? I just. <laughs> oh. Hey, Robert, how you doing? Oh, oh my gosh. Hi, everyone. Look, I'm just getting a glass of water for. Uh, uh, who is that? No, 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 I'm fine. Dick, uh, uh, my God, I didn't recognize you. Yes, I know. I've gained weight. Dick, this is incredible. Uh, Hi, Dick. Oh, my God, Ted. Annette, so you're here, too. I can't believe it. Here, here, here. Drink some of this. No, I don't want that. Is he all right? He looks like he's having a seizure of some kind. No, no, he must be drunk or something. Oh, Nellie, Jane. <gasps> this is a miracle. It is so wonderful to see you, Mr. Robert. We have missed you so much. Yes, you're looking well. <laughs> Oh, and here's Dick. Now, now. Dick, how are you feeling? You shaking again? Calm down, we're all here. Nellie, uh, what's the story with Dick? Is he all right? Is he all right? Nothing's wrong, Dick. You're going to be fine. Want a little brandy? Yes, please. I mean, is Dick a member here? Is he? I mean, do you know what's wrong with him? Is he ill, or...? Well... He's been a member here longer than practically anyone, you see. And he's been beaten up rather frequently, so this is the result. We've given him a room upstairs until he feels a bit better. Well, you see, we do have two or three rooms upstairs that we give to people who need them. I mean, I do know how to put a basic bandage on a wound. (laughs) And we make a very nice breakfast for them, and we give them a cold lunch, very simple. But the rooms are quite sunny, and they can look out the window and see a bit of sky and even some greenery, some grass and trees. It's it's very quiet up there. 
And in the afternoon, we always have tea and some rather nice cakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds good. So, yes, we do take care of certain people occasionally when someone needs to be kept cozy and comfortable. My God. Sounds like heaven. Can I move in? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Ah, So the old talk house has taken on a few new functions, it seems. Is that right, Nellie? Oh, no, no, I wouldn't say that. But everyone, please tell Jane what you'd like to drink. We have all the old cocktails and a few new ones. Uh, uh, uh. Do you still do the tropical madness? (laughs) Of course we do. Oh, great. (laughs) Please surprise me. All right, you asked for it. The king and the pretzel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, with pleasure. And scotch on the rocks for Mr. Robert? Oh, yes, yes, thank you. And won't you have something to drink, Nellie? Well, no, I won't. When we have guests, you know, I only drink my emerald surprise. Well, it looks delicious. Ugh. <laughs> and of course, you still have all your old special snacks, don't you? Oh, we certainly do. We still have all the old snacks, and of course, occasionally we do add something new. But, you know, the old talk house style hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> For better or worse. I mean, obviously, we've fallen out of fashion to some extent. Oh? Oh, yes, we certainly are out of fashion. (laughs) We certainly are. You know, there was a time we used to need three cooks working in the kitchen. On most nights, really, this place would be so full of people, we couldn't close till three in the morning. Uh, Of course, yes. Well, there always used to be two or three shows running just down the street, didn't there? I mean, everyone I'd ever known in my life would end up here on one night or another. I remember the night Bruce Benkenstein walked in the door. Bruce Benkenstein punched him. (laughs) I hadn't seen him for mm, 15 years, and then he and I started calling all the people we'd known back then and saying, come on over, we're all here. Well, it's different now. I mean, people do still come, but the daring outfits people used to wear, that's all gone. And oh my God, when I think of the romances that flowered inside these walls back then, the hands touching under the table. No, no. Oh, and this poor neglected piano. I feel sorry for it, I really do. I don't know, the lively people. Where are the lively people? Yeah, where are the lively people? Maybe they're somewhere. They're not here. Really? Yes. And, I mean, we certainly don't get to see any of you very often now, do we, Mr. Bill? Well, I I mean... Why is that, Mr. Robert, if I may ask? Can you tell me the reason, since we're speaking so frankly? Oh, well, there's no reason at all. You know, the lure of the new. We've been seduced by ridiculously expensive, flashier places, to be absolutely frank. I mean... I mean, speaking for myself, anyway. (laughs) Well, yes, it's the same with me. I'd have to confess. Some of us have to go to bed at night. It's not as if we're singing songs somewhere else. And some of us have to deal with the exciting challenge of having no money. I'd love to have somebody else cook my dinner. Don't enjoy cooking? Not a great cook. I'd come here every night if I could afford it. Well, our little club is offering some pretty good deals these days. (laughs) Yes, but you see, my club is even more exclusive. Nobody can join but me. (sighs) Oh, yes, the one-member club is the latest thing. Mine is so nice and snug. (laughs) And you see, there are very few disturbances in my club. No one makes a scene. No one complains about the food. No one hangs around too late. (laughs) And it's terribly informal. I mean, 
I can walk around in my underwear and no one complains. <laughs> no, I, I do understand. It's just sad to see so little of you, dear. I mean, you're the only one I see all the time, Mr. Tom. I mean, on my screen. You've kept us laughing through good times and bad, as people say. I used to watch old episodes of your show practically every night when my dear sick mother was in the hospital. It was very comforting. Damn, it's nice to hear you say that, Nellie. I'm pretty tired of the old show myself by now, to be absolutely frank. Aww. As I was saying to Robert only yesterday. I yeah, think. yes, you did say that yesterday. And the day before. <laughs> and the day before oh, that. Well. And the day before that. <laughs> don't you ever stop doing your show, Mr. Tom. I don't think we'd survive. I really appreciate your saying that, Nellie. Yes, yes, thank you, Nellie. You know, the truth is, you can honestly go into the studio and work yourself sick every day, day after day, week after week, and at the same time, you really actually forget that there's anyone on the outside watching the damn thing. Well, that's honestly the truth. Oh, we're watching, all right. It is a wonderful show. Yes, it's very well written, and it's very well done. And you make me laugh, Tom, you really do. It's a fine show. <laughs> well, uh, so is yours, Dick. It's kind of you to say that, Tom. Are you feeling a bit better, Dick? Yes, yes, yes. Would you like to go up to your room and rest for a bit? Yes, that would be nice. Okay, I'll help you get upstairs. All right. Yes, I'll just have a little rest. Yeah, yeah, just take a little rest. And now, speaking of things that we love, isn't it about time for you all to do another play? <laughs> we need more plays. Well, it takes a lot of effort to put on a play. And our last attempt was not entirely successful, one has to admit. Oh, those <laughs> critics were idiots. They didn't know what they were talking about, for God's sake. It was a fantastic play. And as I stepped into the darkened meadow, I heard a cry. And there I saw a man, no bigger than a newborn oh, doe. Oh, good, wow. good Lord, you, you remember those lines? Of course, of course. Oh, <laughs> run, little rat, take the message across the meadow, and when you oh, so see the prince... It. All right, okay, <laughs> stop it, stop it, please. All right, all right, now you all must remember these fried baby eels with cauliflower. <laughs> but this is Nellie's latest creation. Huh? My God, what is that? Crawfish, definitely. No, no, she makes these entirely out of snails, sea urchins, and pea shoots. And a few chives. <laughs> no, seriously, though, the problem is that you can't put on a play by yourself. There has to be a whole group of people already doing theater, which unfortunately there isn't anymore. The last time I tried to raise money to put on a play, that was about nine years ago, I went to my most reliable investor, and he, he looked at me with a sort of odd expression. And he said, Bill, I'm sorry, but I have to tell you, I just don't want to invest in theater anymore. And then he told me that a few months earlier, he had gone to see The Elephant Does Forget. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> with a group of his friends. And afterward, they all walked down the street toward the restaurant where they were planning to have dinner, and they were sort of saying to each other, well, that was really good, and yeah, that was a fine play, and things like that. But they all noticed that they were walking more and more slowly. 
And eventually, they all sort of admitted to each other that they weren't feeling very well. They were feeling sort of queasy. Hmm. So they decided to skip dinner, and they all just went to their own apartments and went to bed. And he told me that was the last time he had gone to a play. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 